from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano is in session. And good Thursday morning from the Mercy One Studios in West Des Moines. I'm Deacon Mike Mano, and along with me sitting in for Gina Knoll is Gene Wells. So How do you only get um, co-hosts that begin with G? Yeah, it's the only thing that I can pronounce well. So, <laughs> so yeah, we get that G sound yeah, in here all okay. the time. All right, well, as many of you know, she is the host of uh, Straight Talk. Tuesday mornings Tuesday at 10. Tuesday morning at 10. Tell us a little bit about the program for those of us who are listening that have not yes. and not involved in it. Well, I like to say we cover topics that give us angst as Catholics. So, you know, I, I stay like, away from all like the, Yeah. <laughs> well, you certainly give people angst when, with your topics. But, you know, we cover everything from, you know, it's time for back to school, which mm-hmm. I did with Dr. Dan Ryan this past I heard Tuesday. That, yeah. What a great show. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that they have advanced so far now with technology that there may be no more snow days. Hmm. You know, that now, (laughs) you know, you can be home and the teacher can be teaching in the classroom and it can be simultaneous teaching with the kids that are in the room. snow days. I look forward to the snow days. Now, let me tell you a story. I went to a Catholic school all the way through. And we always had, at least at St. Teresa's, the nuns would give us off holy days of obligation. We didn't have to go. When would my mother make all my dentist appointments? Holy Those days. holy days of obligation Mom. so that I didn't have to miss any school. Oh, <laughs> golly. Wasn't she a sweetheart? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All my friends are out playing that day, and I have to go to the dentist. Well, you know, what I don't like about this whole, you know, you never have to have snow days off again is that the diocese closes when Dowling closes. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> now, I don't get any snow days either. That's right. That's right. So who do you have coming up next week on... Uh, Straight talk. You know, it's a secret. Oh, okay. I'm I'm, I'm working on getting um, some folks on the healthcare team that's guiding the schools. Oh, okay. That'd be as interesting. To yeah. reopening, but it's they're also pediatricians, and this is a very very, very busy tough time. time for them. Right. So I may or may not have them, um, but it'll be something equally as you know challenging that you know folks are worried, and they're worried from the Catholic perspective yeah. a lot of things. So. Um, that's, that's what I well, do during the talk. pandemic, we had trouble getting guests sometimes because they'd call these, uh, law offices and mm-hmm. nobody would be there. Right. <laughs> you know? And so you'd have to leave them. You couldn't reach them. Yeah. And we had a couple of times here, and of course this has happened before, but we've had a couple of times where, uh, we didn't, uh, Wednesday night, we didn't have any guests for Thursday morning. Oh, surely and, not. And surely. <laughs> we had, we had that one time not too long ago where it was at, uh, 9.30 in the morning 
we didn't have guests for a 10 o'clock program. And w- one of the guests, we had never been able to fill that s- slot. And the other guest that we had, the PR person who was representing that person called and said, he's sick, he can't make it today. And I said, oh, Oopsie. expletive. And uh, I said, well, now I have no guests. She said, she said, stay right where you are. She called me back in 10 minutes, had two guests for me. God bless them. Yeah, she's my favorite yeah. PR person right now. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Oh. The, the, I don't think, sometimes I don't think people realize what goes in to putting on a radio program. It's more than just sitting in a microphone. This is the easy part. You know? Yes, yeah. it, and it's the research piece because, you know, I'm... Well, you I'm, saw that little book I sent you about what was going yeah, on today. Yeah, that's what I did all of last <laughs> night was read the, the 15 pages of material yeah. that you sent me. But yeah, you know, it is that research piece. Not mm-hmm. only... Um, the research of positions that I may agree with, but also the positions that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, to really be the kind of radio show that you want to provide people information and the Catholic perspective, you want to provide them the arguments so that they can defend right. their position as need be um, or to inform them about other choices. So it is. I mean, it's very... Um, it's very fulfilling for me personally to grow in some of these areas. You know what I used to do when I was teaching college? I was teaching like uh, law or uh, political science. Mm-hmm. And I would get students that would be bickering, back, not bickering, but, you know, they'd be back and forth. Today over they'd be bickering. Issue. Yeah. They'd be yeah. fighting yeah. is what they would <laughs> yeah. be today. Yeah. Uh, but I'd ask one, I'd say, um, you tell me what his position is. Mm-hmm. you know, articulate it yourself. What is he trying to say? And then I do it the other way. And it was kind of interesting how they would see things a little bit differently when they had to articulate the other side's That position. is an excellent exercise because what I see today is that I'm not going to even listen to your argument because I'm right. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'm just going to continue to expound my position louder and louder to right. drown you out. And that does not bode well for Mm -mm. civil discourse. We have to understand where each other is coming from in order to formulate our own opinions um, better and more fully. Um, But also, it's it's just civil. Mm -hmm. Civility is a good thing. I know. Profound. Mm -hmm. Quote me on that one, Deacon. Okay, very good. Yeah. All right. Uh, You have the prayer to open us up with. I do. Thank you, Gina Noll, for sending this to me. It's a prayer for peace today. So let us pray. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women and peace among the nations of the earth. Turn to your way of love those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gene. And uh, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to have Laura Higgins with us from Illinois Family Institute. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. According to a 2019 Global Food Security Report, more than 820 million people in the world are hungry today. None of us can help all of them. Most of us can help one. One child. Your gift of $1 a day through Blessman International provides a child in South Africa with a daily hot meal, place of safety, educational experience, and spiritual development. To get started, go to BlessmanInternational.org and click Sponsor a Child. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know... 
Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at BigRedQ-DeMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And welcome back to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. With us today is Laura Higgins from the Illinois Family Institute. Laura, how are you this morning? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Good. And uh, since this is the first time we've had somebody on from the Illinois Family Institute, want to tell us a little bit about what the Institute does? Well, we're a Christian ministry, and we address cultural and legislative issues from a biblical perspective. Okay. And um, your position with that, I know, is, is uh, you, you write a column for the Family Institute. I do. I'm a cultural issues writer. I... I focus a lot on the issues of homosexuality in the culture, the trans cult, and abortion. But we, we cover all sorts of issues pertaining to legislation. We have lobbyists in Springfield. And we do, I mean, I pay attention to what's going on all around the country because I'm sure, as you know, what's taking place in other liberal states takes place here in Illinois and then spreads to other states. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about uh, today is a column you, that you had written on, I guess it's LaShawn Ford is the uh, uh, legislator, the House member uh, in Illinois who wants to abolish oh, history, history classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 rid of that. Yeah, State Representative LaShawn Ford, he's a Democrat, of course, from Chicago, because that's all Chicago has, yeah. Uh, yeah. and he called, he had a, held a press conference, and he called, which was maybe two weeks ago now, and he called for uh, all schools in Illinois, K through 12, to cease teaching history, because he's concerned that current school history 
leads to white privilege in a racist society. Those are his words exactly. Mm-hmm. And he wants them to be can- all of them canceled until such time as leaders in Illinois can review all the textbooks to determine whether they are fairly communicating the history of blacks and women and the LGBT community. I suppose he's a supporter of this 1619 program. I'm sh- uh, Well, as I wrote in my article, that's what this is. This is a Trojan horse to get the 1619 project. And you can tell by what the bill is actually calling for. So it would require, if it were, pa- this is actually an amendment to a silly bill that he had passed, that he had proposed two weeks before this amendment. And the, the, the original bill was calling for three more commemorative holidays to be added to the school schedule. But, and then two weeks after that, he proposed the amendment that would require, this, this is a quote, the study of the pre-enslavement history of black people from 3000 BCE to A.D. 1619, mm-hmm. including instruction about ancient civilizations, kingdoms, kings, queens, warriors, and their contributions to a whole bunch of stuff, and to study the reasons why black people came to be enslaved, end quote. Well, that's a, that is the 1619 Project, and we have to remember that all history classes are selective in what they can teach. They don't have time to teach everything, and we're going to be teaching, and he wants that children to be taught about the history of black people from 3000 B.C.E. to A.D. 1619. Well, that would be what? One, one class. <laughs> well, that would one be one semester. class. But <laughs> one semester. Right, one semester, one class, and at what level would this be taught? I mean, we have... We have American history that is taught junior year in high school. I mean, there's, there's no place for that kind of a class. That would be something that you would teach in a college level for someone who's a history major, not a survey class, not what most people would take. So this is a political. And, you know, the, the amendment was the brainchild of a community activist, not a legislator. Who, her name is Malika Gardner, who also wrote the amendment. And she cites the murders of her father, her stepfather, her nephew, and several friends to gun violence due to, this is her words, systemic racism as the reason they need to use public schools to indoctrinate children with leftist ideas about history. But she actually, they actually have proposed no criteria for determining whether a uh, textbook is historically accurate and fair. So, and she's proposed no evidence that any of these relatives were killed because of systemic racism. The only one that I could find the actual news story about was her nephew, who was the tragic victim of a robbery in Woodlawn, which is a 98% black community. So it seems unlikely that systemic racism caused the murder of her nephew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we throw that term around an awful lot, and people don't really know what it means or what it's supposed to mean, and yet we tend to think that uh, racism is running rampant all over. Uh, But I suppose this is the reason why uh, there's a math instructor that is uh, uh, saying that to teach math objectively uh, reeks of white supremacist patriarchy. Well, yes, because, you know, they're saying, well, is two plus two really four? That's the kind of nonsense we're getting to when we're not honest and we're not and we're not courageous you know so many conservatives are afraid if they dare to dissent from this ideology that they're going to be labeled racist and at some point you have to stop worrying about whether someone calls you names because that is the tactic 
to silence conservatives on a whole host of issues. This one, homosexuality and the trans cult, all three of them rely on calling people ugly names falsely and then having that silence them. So they don't have to engage with the actual ideas. Now, Lori, I, I, I must have gone to a white school because I don't understand how two plus two could be anything but four. I mean, where is their point that this two plus two equals well, four it, is a racist, white yes. supremacist, whatever? Well, if you read their argument about it, they'll they'll point they'll add all sorts of information. They don't deal with just objective math. They'll say, "Oh, well, if you have two of these things and two of these different kinds of things, then it doesn't equal five of one type of thing." I mean, it's very convoluted. And this is sophistry. It's, you know, trying to use language and rhetoric to obscure their political agenda. And it, this is, to, you know, the whole, I started writing critically about critical race theory, which is what is embedded in the project, uh, the 1619 project, and the whole, you know, the Black Lives Movement movement, and, and it, which is to divide society up into groups who are, determined to be the oppressors and the other group is the oppressed and to say and then it also the critical race theory which has been in public schools for many many years it teaches a very imbalanced view of america so i am not one to advocate the whitewashing of america no pun intended whitewashing of american history we should teach our history accurately which includes the history of uh, slavery which is ugly but they, they're, and the mistreatment they, I, of uh, the Native Americans, too. Yes, yeah. exactly. And the but, Irish immigrants. I mean, you know, if we're going to talk slavery, it's not just isolated to... Well, and not, I have that in my article. There's a lot yeah. of interesting stuff about slavery that is not taught in history classes in high school. But there's... So this is what they're teaching in schools. The problem is that this ideology robs minority children persons of color, of a sense of agency in their own lives. It teaches them that in order to improve their lot in life, what it takes is for white people to continually apologize for things they haven't said or even thought. You know, and That doesn't work for anybody. No, it doesn't, and it doesn't help that community. And that, that's what we have to communicate, that this is not only is this divisive, but it doesn't help the individuals they hope to help. You know, when we're talking about, you know, they talk about disparate, outcomes for different groups. And what we never look at is we never look at the democratic policies that have just destroyed the black family, you know, getting incentivizing fathers out of the house, incentivizing having children out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. These are the very things that harm any community. And it's been harming the black community. So if we say, do you want to know why there's disparate impact? Well, then look at the democratic policies that have resulted in this. Look at fatherless homes and we, how often do you hear black leaders talking about fatherless homes? Sociological studies have shown for years that having a family with a mother and a father married, staying together, raising their children, that is what will guarantee success for children. And they have more wealth in those families, too, even though it may be a, a minimal amount. It certainly increases the wealth of the family by having both parents together. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, and that, you know, you mentioned uh, the single-parent family. Uh, one thing that's always uh, bothered me is, is I, I, I read these statistics from school districts around the country about who's doing what is at grade level, and they have them all broken down by all sorts of subcategories, the 
uh, blacks, Latinos, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. They never have them broken down by single-parent homes. And I think they would learn a lot if they would take that measure, too. How is being in a single-parent home affecting the educational ability or the edu- educational uh, go ahead. Do, do but you know, Dick and Mike, what's interesting, in my real job yeah. with the Catholic Tuition Organization, we do gather the, that data, including mm-hmm. the marital status of our families. And yet, isn't it interesting that we have nearly 100% graduation rate, that the children that are in our schools are not held back, but lifted up mm-hmm. to, to succeed and participate regardless of where their socioeconomic situation puts them or the marital status of their parents, but that's not the message you hear no, but elsewhere. And, and, but it makes a point. When the parents are putting children in a private school or a parochial school, they care enough right. to follow up with that educational system yes. and to follow up with what their children are doing. Uh, too many people out there, w- w- whether they're rich or poor or married or not, are not that concerned. They just mm-hmm. send the kids off in the morning. Uh, but I think if we would track that, how they are doing according to the breakdown of the family or not, I think we would. There would be a really eye opener, and I think they. That's why they avoid doing that. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. There are and there are political. And there, I'm convinced that the leaders in these in the black communities know that the that an intact family will help. But it's so politically difficult to say that, especially now when you have the homosexual movement, which, you know, Barack Obama issued Mother's Day and Father's Day proclamations when early in his first administration. On the Mother's Day proclamation, he said, mothers are essential to the lives of their children. When he did the Father's Day proclamation, he said, fathers are essential to the lives of their children. Well, then once you legalize homosexual marriage, you're necessarily saying that either mothers or fathers are expendable. And so now it's very politically difficult to say we need families with mothers. If you're in the Democratic Party, it's very difficult to say that. So, And many of black leaders are in the Democratic Party. So they're, they're coming up against this other LGBT movement. So there's challenges, and it takes courage to sort of buck the narrative. You know, that also does. connects to this Black Lives Matter, which... You know, to their credit, they've done a phenomenal job of marketing, you know, that that phrase and everybody and their brother, you know, wouldn't want to be opposed to black lives because they matter. Absolutely. Yet when you look at that and that organization and you read their guiding principles, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is contrary to our, contrary our, our Christian to heritage. Christian heritage, right. It is. I mean, it, they specifically say they want to disrupt the nuclear family. They mm-hmm. oppose patriarchy. That's their term. In other words, male leadership. They are, a, I mean, they, they have, there's, their founders are, I think two of them at least, are homosexual. Right. They're hugely into promoting the LGBTQ agenda. So this is a real anti-family movement. This can't help. But they have been. I mean, it, they, use, they use language to manipulate people, which is, you know, to say Black Lives Matter, then if you say, I oppose that organization, they say, oh, so you don't care about black lives. And that's the same thing that the left has done with safety and equality, all these noble terms that in their original meaning were good, justice is good, but now they've manipulated it, they've imbued them with other connotations 
and it makes it very difficult for people to say. I mean, it doesn't make it. If you have courage, it shouldn't make it difficult because you don't. You know, as Christians, we're told we're going to be hated by the world because the world first hated Christ. So, although it's not comfortable, it should be part of our you know spiritual DNA to say. I will endure someone calling me a hater or a bigot or prejudiced or whatever, you know, epithet they hurl. But, I mean, they're very skillful with rhetoric. And, and then when it comes up against the cowardice of conservatives, you know, it's a winning proposition and it's moving forward culturally. Yeah, I think part of the reason why uh, the Black Lives uh, Matter organization is moving forward is in many ways uh, it's a shakedown Um you know, you don't you don't help us out. You don't do this for us. Uh, you're going to have trouble. Exactly. And yeah. we and those people who know what really helps individuals and what really helps children flourish need to speak truth about this, even if it's difficult, because they are winning the day for the moment. I mean, it can't mm-hmm. last because their ideas are wrong. They're wrong, and some of them are actually evil. So, you know, we have to be as tenacious as the left is, and we have to be courageous. Yeah, and that's why they're all in on this cancel culture. They don't want rival ideas. Right. Because people will see through what's going on. Uh, we're almost out of time, Lori, but before I let you go, uh, how do you get, does, does somebody get a hold of the uh, Illinois Family Institute or find you so that they can read your columns as they come out? Sure. If they go to IllinoisFamily.org, and, and then we also have a sister organization, 501C4, and that's um, Illinois Family Action. Okay. They can contact me or they can read. Uh, we have lots of good material on all sorts of topics affecting culture. I know. It's an interesting website. I've seen it, and it's, uh, well, that's how I found you. And uh, it's very good. It's very good. Laurie, I want to thank you for joining us today. We'll have you back one of these days, and we'll see how the culture wars are going out there. Great. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Laurie. You're God listening to you. Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we will be right back after these messages. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Lee and Eddie in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. The coronavirus has impacted lives in Iowa and around the world. This is especially true in rural South Africa, where COVID-19 restrictions have led to vulnerable children being hospitalized due to starvation. To combat this hunger, Blessman International now offers a program called One Child at a Time. You can sponsor a child in South Africa for $1 a day. Learn more at BlessmanInternational.org. BlessmanInternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. High pressure is in place for now. We have a cold front arriving on Friday night and Saturday with a few showers, mostly sunny through the afternoon and upper 80s. We'll be in the upper 60s with a few clouds overnight. Upper 80s again tomorrow and mostly sunny showers Friday night into Saturday. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And we're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial. I'm with Catholic Radio. Jeffrey Trussell. Or Trestle. Jeffrey, you're going to have to help me pronounce that. Is it Trestle? Trissel. Trissel, okay. is special counsel for the Thomas More Society. Jeffrey, I think this is the first time you've been on our program, uh, but you are handling for Thomas More uh, a rather interesting case out in uh, California uh, dealing with some anti-Catholic sentiment out there, which is leading to the, um, uh, uh, I guess, removal of Catholic statues. Yes. It's, a, it's an interesting case in that there are statues of Father Sarah all across California because we view him as a founding father and the apostle to California. Um, and in most cities, the statues were actually torn down by the uh, BLM protesters. But in one city, the city council uh, voted to remove the statue. And we actually viewed that as an endorsement of anti-Catholicism. And so we wrote them a, a, a strongly worded letter uh, yeah, explaining how that violates I, the law. I saw it. We have copies of it here in the mm-hmm. studio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't a, a, a sweet and kind letter. It was yeah. a in-your-face, straighten-up-and-fly-right letter. Yeah. Right, I wouldn't well, have put a love stamp on that envelope. No. No. <laughs> well, the idea is to uh, to motivate them to, to not remove more images of Father Sarah uh, and yes. convince them that a lawsuit would be forthcoming. Yeah. Now, there was a suit that was filed. Am there I, was. Am I about that? Yeah. Um, it, it focused more on uh, environmental laws and historical uh, monuments, um, and so it didn't really raise the constitutional issues that we did, um, but we wanted to make that clear. Those are also at play. Okay, now where are we in uh, this suit? Uh, have we filed a suit? Has the city responded to your letter? Uh, we have not filed a suit. Uh, basically, the, the statue is right now in storage, and in our letter was not so much about the statue. It was about removing Father Sarah from the county seal. Mm-hmm. And so they're still in the process of redesigning it. Uh, and, you know, hopefully when they come out with their final redesign, um, he'll still be there. Uh, because they want to update other things. There are oil derricks and stuff on the seal that, you know, it could be updated. Okay. So Unipol Sarah, who is the saint that is involved in this, 
was a missionary priest in California, uh, I guess the 1600s, something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, And he settled a lot of the uh, cities in California uh, as kind of, I guess, sanctuaries for the uh, natives that were there, taught them Christianity, Mm -hmm. gave them the sacraments, converted them, um, socialized them. And now they're claiming, I guess, uh, those that want to take his statues down, that he's some type of white supremacist. Uh, This is white privilege and all of that. Well, it it depends who you ask as the real motivation. I mean, some people say that he was actually a a bad man, which I guess, you know, as Catholics we don't accept because (laughs) he's a saint. He he exhibited heroic virtue. Other people simply say that he's a symbol of the Spanish colonialism, and they view him as... Uh, uh, representative of all the abuses that the the Spanish, you know, uh, performed. But like, I guess if you keep the level of symbolism, you know, the, the way we view it as hostility to Catholics is, well, what's he really a symbol of? For us, he's a symbol of the Church coming to America. You know, he's a symbol of uh, Hispanic Catholicism. You know, um, I'm, I'm a half Hispanic, and and for me. You know, one of the uh, sayings that my, my mother, who comes from Peru, says is that, you know, the, the best thing or the only good thing that the Spanish brought was the church. And so for us, he's a symbol of, you know, the best thing that the Spanish brought to the Americas. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that when uh, the conquistadors, that what we called them, mm-hmm. they came, uh, they brought with them these missionaries. Right. Yeah, and, and Father Sarah did go, you know, did work very hard to protect the, the indigenous people from the abuses of, of some of the, uh, the colonialists, the, the Spanish. He, you know, one of the things he did is he, he walked all the way back down to Mexico City from California to get uh, authority from the governor to essentially control, to have authority over the, the Spanish in his area so that when they were abusing the indigenous, he could, uh, he could tell them to stop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and he did that with great personal injury. I mean, he was, um, I don't remember exactly whether it was his knee or maybe it was his foot that he had such a severe infection. And yet he walked all that way and he protected them. He taught them skills about building, you know, San Capistrano comes to mind, you know, that, that, that same structure is built all the way along his path that he would take those plans, they would draw them in the dirt, and, you know, they mm-hmm. would build these structures. And so they were teaching them additional skill sets um, and to help improve their lives. And yet now they're just being torn down. And I found it interesting that the timing of, with your letter, that the timing is now, you know, remove it from the police emblem and the city emblem and all of that. It's like, you know, that, oh, it was time to do it. It's like, no, it was, it was, uh, the time was appropriate because they, they didn't want to have any more, you know, radical activity in their area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The timing actually, I think, is, is unconstitutional. I mean, because mm-hmm. it really is uh, feeding into this anti-Catholic wave across the country. I mean, Father Sarah is being attacked in California because he is the preeminent symbol of Catholicism in California. But in, in other parts of the country, you know, it's, it's just statues of Jesus and Mary um, that are being uh, vandalized. Yeah, I appreciated your list of activities that have been contrary to the cat. Contrary is, is a soft word, um, but that have uh, torn away at 
the Catholic teachings, you know, by defacing, decapitating Jesus, decapitating Mary, um, the the slurs that have been painted on their statues. You know, this this isn't just a random act. This is uh, and then wasn't it, all over the United States and, wasn't and it, the world. Father Damien, was that his name? Mm-hmm. The a priest in uh, Hawaii yeah. that lived with the lepers? Yes. And right. for like 14 years or something like that, ultimately died of leprosy, ministering mm-hmm. to these people. And now they want to remove his statue from Statuary Hall. Yeah. What is with that? Yeah. Constitutionally, where are we on these things? Well, the uh, you know for the past fifty years, the uh, the trend has been to be taking religious imagery out of, of public sphere. You know, uh, there have been there are several cases that go either way in terms of whether you can have a cross on a county seal, for example. Um, but I do think we're going in the right direction. The the, the case I primarily cited in my letter uh, concerned the Bladensburg Cross in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And there, Justice Alito really switched the analysis and said, you know, we're getting to the point where taking down this cross is not about making sure everybody feels comfortable. It's about making Christians feel uncomfortable. And so it's getting to the point where it would be unconstitutional to take it down, not just that it's constitutional to keep it up. Yeah, that Blazenford cross deal, that went on for several years. And as I understand, that cross was originally put up by uh, World War I veterans. Is that right? Uh, who put it up to memorialize their dead in World War One from that particular county, and it would just so happen that it ended up back on public land, and then that's when the uh, uh, the city or the county or whoever it was there wanted to take that cross down. And I know they I saw the arguments on that going back and forth uh, for years. Right, because in World War One, it's the first time we used crosses for the the gravestones of. Uh, military personnel. And so at the end of the war, when you, the, the idea of using a cross as a, a large World War I memorial made sense because it, those gravestones were not associated with the Civil War or anything, but with World War I. Um, and so in that case, Justice Alito made clear that this is not, it wasn't really set up as a, a Christian monument. It was set up as a, we have rows and rows of cross gravestones. We want to memorialize World War I. But now, 100 years later, Everybody just sees it as a cross. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so if you take it down, you just see people saying, well, it's a familiar cross that we like. You know, it's not, it doesn't hurt anybody. But why are we taking it down? Because, oh, I'm a Christian, and you can't have crosses in the public sphere. And, and so that's where you get the hostility. Is It's weird because you can have multiple meanings behind these monuments. Um, just like for Father Sarah. You know, for a lot of Californians, he's just a founding father. He's just a piece of history. But for Catholics... He's a saint. And so taking him down really affects us in a way that a lot of Californians don't realize. Well, and I thought your point was good in that when you, if you take the the cross down um, because it's a Christian symbol, now the other half of the population is being um, uh, deprived of their their rights you know, so it, it's half six, one and a half dozen the other. Who who gets to have their rights preserved in any given situation, or do we or do we uh, work towards neutrality in everything? And is there such a thing? Well, I mean, it depends on what you mean by neutrality, right? So, for the longest time, secularism was neutrality. 
But I think we're getting to a point where secularism isn't neutrality anymore because secularism is, in a sense, anti-religious. You know, it's becoming that. And so to find a new neutrality, I think, is what the courts are trying to do now, um, and hopefully to our benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, we were mentioning World War One. Um, just, I think, a little kind of footnote of history here. World War One is kind of when uh, Catholicism started to go mainstream in the United States, because so many of those uh, boys that were fighting over in World War One were meeting Catholics who were on the fighting line with them for the first time. And when they came back, of course, there were a lot of Catholic relief organizations that were catering to the wounded and to the returning veterans. And so it was at that point, I would say, that uh, Catholicism started going mainstream uh, in the United States, historically. But that's just kind of a little side point, I guess. Right. And, and you know, that leads into the thought that before then, Catholicism was not mainstream. Right. right? You know, we, we do have... Rum, Romanism, of, and rebellion. Yeah, of of, uh, of attacks on Catholics. And I think mm-hmm. the the Father Sarah statute for many Catholics in California felt like a we're now mainstream, we're acceptable. You know, our revered figure cannot be a figure beloved by all of Californians and not excluded because you know he's a priest. Um, and and so now it feels like we're just being you know kicked out again, uh, which is. Well, it's scary part, for a lot of yeah, it's here. part of that cancel culture now too, where um, you know it doesn't fit into our narrative, so we got to cancel it. You know, there isn't room for multiple opinions. No, no, there's not room for multiple opinions, or not not room to explore the beauty of history. You know, the whole history. You know, it's kind of like a kaleidoscope. You turn it, and the beads fall a different way, and you look, and you see how. Uh, how neat it is. Yeah, obviously there are wrongdoings that occurred in history, but we have to teach those too. But still, removing uh, the saint statue, I think, is uh, uh, going a little too far, and especially removing them from the seal. They put it on the seal for a reason. You know, it was part of their history. They were proud of it, and now they're ripping it off. Hmm. So where do we see this going, Jeffrey? Is uh, the uh, city and the county going to... Uh, 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 make nice, nice here, or are they uh, going to go ahead with what they're planning to do or started out doing, and we're going to see this end up in court? I don't get the sense that they really want to take him off the seal, uh, and, and that's why we wrote a letter first versus a lawsuit, just to push a little, push back some. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, if, if, you don't, if you don't really want to take him off the seal, here's a, a, a reason why perhaps you should reconsider. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, this would not be uh, a complicated lawsuit. So if we need to bring a lawsuit, we'll, we'll bring one. Um, I think, you know, there's plenty of uh, historians in California that can speak to Father Sarah. I mean, they, they wrote stuff for the Vatican when he was being canonized, uh, some of the historians here in San Diego. Yeah. And, uh, and then you just have to talk about the symbolism of Father Sarah and, and, and look at what is he really a symbol of. I think that's what the court would look at. Good. Well, Jeffrey, we're just about out of time here, but I wanted to mention that uh, Thomas uh, More Society is at thomasmoresociety.org, I believe, is the web. Yes. So if anybody needs any more information or needs to get a hold of you folks or even maybe even need some uh, assistance with some legal matters dealing with religious liberty uh, that Thomas More set up to do, you can contact him through that website. Jeffrey, thank you for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. It's an interesting case out there, and we'll be following it.
Thank you. Certainly. God bless you. Thank you very much. Uh, you're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we will be right back after these messages. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Greg Harper. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com. 515-440-4610, ashworthvision.com, Ashworth Vision Clinic. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Thank you to Mercy College of Health Sciences, downtown Des Moines, for underwriting our show, The Uncommon Good, with me, Bo Bonner. And I'm Bud Marr. A degree from Mercy College provides endless possibilities. Students have access to patients with complex medical conditions, state-of-the-art medical facilities, highly motivated healthcare professionals, and classroom professors that transform them into servant leaders. You can start the programs in fall, spring, or summer. There are endless possibilities available online at mchs.edu slash kwky. Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations, online at skeffingtons.com. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. Back, you're listening to Faith on Trial. I'm a Catholic Radio. Teen, uh, interesting program today. Yeah, um, I took my extra blood pressure medicine pill. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I've said well, this I, to you I, for I, years. I warn people to have yeah. a bottle of antacids by yeah. sometimes with it. Yeah, let's not teach history. Let's just pull it out and let the leaders determine history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they are qualified historians to um, rewrite sure. the history books. Um, or maybe not. Mm-hmm. Is that really where we want our history being taught? Yeah, that's what this guy wants to do, that we're talking about this Ford, this representative Ford in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants none of this stuff to be used until his group, 
has an opportunity mm-hmm. to go through it all and purge it and rewrite it. And uh, that's not the way history should be taught. You know, yeah. it, it's like so many other things. We are hiding truth. We're afraid to face truth. And if we don't do that, then we're certainly going to have a distorted view mm-hmm. of history. We're going to have a distorted view of ourselves and mm-hmm. our place in the universe. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, he did have a good point that, well, we should be teaching, um, paying more attention towards civics and ensuring student un- students understand our democratic processes and how they can be involved. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That needs to be taught. I don't know if they're even teaching civics in I don't in think high they school. are. I, I, I taught political science in college. You'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I loved came civics in class yeah. when I was in high school, and I didn't even understand, you know, how to be engaged. So, of course, that's important. Now, Given the rest of his positions, it's not ensuring students understand how to riot mm-hmm. or that students understand how to um, damage police cars or, you know, it's like, yes, there is a way to propose bills. There is a, pr- a way to contact your legislators. There are ways to have peaceful gatherings to sh- show your Absolutely. your support for an issue, but certainly not the way things have been done lately. But you don't know how to affect change if you don't know how the system works or right. how the, the structure of the system is. And uh, one of the things I did in my uh, political science classes is I would give them the test the first night. Now, it wasn't a graded test, but I'd ask them questions, I'd pass out the paper, and then we'd go over it. Mm -hmm. And I'd ask them things like, uh, how many senators does Iowa have? Uh, I didn't know. Let's see, we have 99 counties, so we probably have have 99 99 senators. senators, right. Uh Uh, What's the name of the congressman that represents Des Moines? They didn't know. Uh, sometimes uh, that'd be n- Grassley, right? Who, yeah. <laughs> Who's the vice president of the United States? Mm. You know, uh, don't know. Uh, and there were a lot of now, uh, a lot of people came in and did know some yeah. of this, but I was surprised at the number of college students that came in, all high school graduates, mind you, mm-hmm. that did not know that every state gets two senators, uh, did not know the three branches of government. Uh, didn't know how a bill becomes law. Wait a minute. There are some folks within the branches of government that don't understand that there are three branches of I government. I think so, too. Yes. <laughs> Editorial comment. Yes, yes, I think so. And one of them is, is bifurcated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And the other one we fight over all the time. So, uh, But it's interesting. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, you see these on online a lot. There are these uh, programs where somebody would go out to a college campus and they'll start asking them questions, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, who is this person? And they'll hold up a picture of Vice President Pence, and they'll say, we have no idea who he is, yeah. you know. Is he a talk show host? What? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just people are not uh, keeping up with that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. So, um, next week, I wanted to mention this. Next week on our program, uh, and I'm um, Gina will be back for this, but what? Uh, yes, yeah, oh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna have to let I get you fired go. after You're, one show. We're gonna have to let you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna work out today. Um, I wrote a, a column. My column this week is on mail-in voting, and uh, the Heritage Foundation uh, did a, a full report on mail-in voting and uh, the problems with it, and how many ballots are lost and everything. Now, before you go down that path, I. Um, I was ignorant on the difference between absentee voting right. and mail-in voting. Right. Explain right. the difference. An absentee ballot is where you're not going to be there for election day, so you contact the election 
office and you ask for a ballot to be sent to you. You request it. You request it. It comes to you. You fill it out and you send it back. Mail-in voting is when they just take everybody's name off the voting rolls, whether they're alive or not, whether they've moved or not, uh, and they send out live ballots to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, They're not requested. They just show up. And uh, a lot of those people aren't going to vote them, and they'll just give them to somebody else to vote, or they'll pass them, you know. For so we have absentee balloting here in the United in Iowa, right. mm-hmm. but I've gotten two requests to send in my request. Right. One but, in my name, one in some name that used to live at my house. Right. And and this is a problem with absentee balloting too. Is that okay. sometimes that that can happen? But generally speaking, an absentee ballot is something you have to request. Mm-hmm. A mail-in ballot is something they just sent to you. Mm. You know, like a, isn't that convenient? Yeah, is <laughs> and you know who it's convenient for the mm. people that want to gather these things up. Anyway, so the Heritage Foundation did a big report on this. Uh, I wrote about it in my column for the Wanderer this week, and the author of that report is going to be joining us next week. Very cool. Okay. And we also have the president of Accuracy in Media going to be joining us. We're going to be able to talk about some of these things that uh, Laura was talking about a little bit, too. You talked about having high blood pressure. I bet his or her high blood pressure is elevated. Yeah, Yeah, it it certainly will be. And and the interesting thing is, as we we look at this, um, as I was writing the the article on um, the mail-in voting, uh, there was a story in one of the local news channels one night, and they were talking about mail-in voting, and they mentioned that there was a, uh, the, the, whoever the, the anchor person was, was that uh, a lot of conservatives have problems with this, but there is no known record of any fraudulent voting that changed elections. And I'm thinking, what, what an ignorant person that is. And, I don't even follow this and, issue and, and I know of, and, and of that's, instances. And that's going to be my first question to yeah. Adam when we get him here is, uh, you know, is this uh, a phony lack of knowledge or is it real distorting or what? Right. But, uh, yeah. But uh, if you if you listen to the mainstream media, uh, there's no problem with mail-in voting because we do it all the time. Because as you yeah. say, you know, absentee, we're f- familiar with well, and I was shocked with your in, in your Wanderer article about the harvesting of votes. Yeah, har- I vote didn't harvesting. realize that was happening and that people would just go to especially poor areas that may not um, even know the issues or what they're supposed to do with it, maybe language barriers, and they mm-hmm. just tell them how to vote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was it? One of the guys said, uh, oh, I thought I was applying for food stamps. Mm-hmm. You know, I signed the, the voter thing. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. I want to thank Jean for joining us oh, today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you uh, are Tuesday at 10. Tuesday at right, 10. Right here on the radio, as they say. That's and we right. will be back uh, next week, this same time, same station, same bat same, time, same, same bat, bat station. station. <laughs> <laughs> Let us end with our prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell, Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, have a blessed and peaceful week. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial, with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app.
Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imaging Ingredients.